DiscerningHearts.com presents Salvation Begins Now, Last Things First with Deacon James Keating. Deacon Keating is a professor of spiritual theology and a spiritual director at Kenrick Glennon Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. In the past, he has served as the Director of Theological Formation at the Institute for Priestly Formation located in Omaha, Nebraska. Deacon Keating has conducted over 400 workshops in the areas of morality and spirituality. Deacon Keating is author of numerous books, including The Way of Mystery and Listening for Truth. Salvation Begins Now, Last Things First with Deacon James Keating. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome back, Deacon Keating. Thank you. In our last discussion on the nature of purgatory, we spoke of the purification that is necessary for us to achieve the holiness to enter into heaven. And that takes place with the burning fire of the love of Christ. Over the centuries, the saints have had on occasion mystical experiences of purgatory where, say, Catherine of Genoa and a number of others spoke of the torment and the agony of that purification. Can you help us to understand the nature of those private revelations and its effect on our understanding of purgatory? Well, I think what the saints were gifted with, uh, were given by the Holy Spirit, is, first of all, a contemplative space uh, within which they were uh, gifted with images. And the images are very important for us, people in torment and suffering, because what the images give us then is a period of time uh, through which, in reading Catherine's writings, Catherine of Siena, Catherine of Genoa, others who've received revelations about purgatory, they give us time to meditate. Because remember that when we die, uh, our encounter with Jesus is outside of time. So whatever purification is happening and whatever that means, embraced in his love, it's happening outside of time. There is no duration, if you will. But what these wonderful saints give us is a duration time to think about inhuman images of suffering and pain. What is the real nature of sin? So putting uh, purgatory in a geographic location, for example, or uh, allowing purgatory uh, to be a place of physical torment allows us who are still alive here on earth to sit with the gravity of sin and to ask for the grace to understand what may appear to be something very simple like stealing. How does stealing disrupt the harmony in the body of Christ? What is the effect of unjust behavior toward others in the body of Christ? And these saints with their private revelations are aching to tell us that any sin at whatever level is a disruption of the peace and the harmony the full functioning, if you will, of the body of Christ. It may appear imperceptible in time, or as we would say colloquially, what's the big deal? 
I only took a little bit of money. What's the big deal? And there are degrees of sinfulness, and there's gravity in sins themselves. But even the smallest of venial sin has negatively affected the harmony of the body of Christ the Church and our own body, our individual bodies, in relationship to holiness and beauty and love itself. And so the benefit of reading private revelations about purgatory is that we come face to face with the stark truth that through our own freedom we can end or disrupt the beautiful gift that God is aching to give us, a share in his own happiness. I would say often many of us will look or when we hear of a suffering, a physical or some type of pain that's experienced in purgatory, we dismiss that as a Middle Ages barbaric type of solution to keep people in line. And yet, in what you've broken open for us, is more of an understanding that the type of suffering, the purgation, I, I fall back to a, an experience myself that, I severely broke a foot. And during the whole process, from surgery to the the healing process, I experienced great pain and great suffering, but it never brought me to a deep, agonizing type of crying out, not like emotional suffering has done. You know, those times in our lives where we're not sure of our identity or we have some type of a pain that is inflicted on us emotionally, is that potentially that experience what they're describing or what occurs? I think with the body, the pain is, is relativized. And Jesus himself alluded to it. You know, don't, don't be afraid of the person who can just kill the body, but be afraid of the person who can kill body and soul and throw it into Gehenna. So bodily pain, of course, is a torment. But as you so you know, beautifully said, even with your broken foot, It did bring me to tears. What brings me to tears? Uh, Spiritual or natural isolation from God and from others. Loneliness. A confusion about my identity. Perhaps a particular suffering about when your faith is tested or your beliefs become shaky because of certain experiences in your life. And you cry out to God from your heart, where are you? Now, this emotional and spiritual pain is a pain that is being raised because a human being naturally and supernaturally wants to protect his or her identity as one who is a relationship. Physical pain doesn't necessarily, by its own nature, damage relationships. But choices regarding isolation, self-hate, hate of others, confusion and suffering that are inflicted upon you or me by others who hate us or are self-centered. Now this type of pain attacks us at a much deeper level of human nature. It's attacking us at the very core of what it means to be human, which is to be a relationship a person who stands readily open to receive another and to give the self to another. 
And when human beings experience isolation or fear or confusion about identity, they are very much in a purgatorial and or hellish anticipation. And in that pain, that emotional pain, if they throw themselves upon the Lord, well, then they are experiencing the purgatorial purification. But if they keep running away from God and others and follow the road of self, self-hate and self-isolation, then hell is already beginning for them. And so I think pain, obviously, is a very curious and mysterious thing where the body can experience pain, but not unto jeopardizing one's interior peace, because peace comes from communion. But when interior communion is disrupted, then this is a suffering that brings one to tears. Tears about the very constitutive threat to human identity. As Genesis said, it is not good for man to be alone. We'll return to Salvation Begins Now, Last Things First with Deacon James Keating in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. Litany of Humility O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved, Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected. Deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I. That others may be esteemed more than I. That in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease. That others may be chosen and I set aside. That others may be praised and I unnoticed. 
that others may be preferred to me in everything. That others may become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Amen. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. We now return to Salvation Begins Now, Last Things First with Deacon James Keating. Going back and just reflecting once again on paragraph 1030 in the Catechism, it says, All who die in God's grace and friendship, but still imperfectly purified, are indeed assured of their eternal salvation. But after death, they undergo purification so as to achieve the holiness necessary to enter the joy of heaven. We have the opportunity here to experience that purification and a great grace in the sacrament of reconciliation, don't we? Right, the, the, the real presence of Christ on the altar is waiting to enter us by way of his graced presence in the sacrament of reconciliation. In other words, unless we pass through repentance and purification, we will never really receive the depth of grace, the share in God's life and love that he is aching to give us in the Eucharist. This is what people don't understand about the sacrament of reconciliation. In our sinful state, we think it's a punishment imposed upon us by the church to go and name our sins. And Satan wants us all to continue to rebel against the sacrament of reconciliation, to rationalize that I don't need to go. I can just ask Jesus in my heart for forgiveness. And the church has always taught that in emergency situations that's possible. But they have also always taught that the ordinary means for reconciliation with the body of Christ, his full body, his resurrected body, and the body of Christ, which is the church. The ordinary means for reconciliation is to pass through the painful naming of the truth about the self, which of course frightens us because we are experts in evading the truth. We have developed all sorts of sophisticated psychological defense systems to evade the truth about who we are, what we have done, our own pain, and our pain that we have caused in others. So the last thing I want to do is enter reality through the naming of the truth about myself 
in the presence of God. Because when we're in a stance of sin, God is always, always appears as a threat and never a promise. And it takes a great deal of courage to respond to the grace which is continually being poured out through the church by Jesus to overcome this lie that to go before God naming the truth about oneself is a threat rather than a promise. But there is no safer place on earth to be purified through the naming of the truth about the self in the sacrament of reconciliation because you are literally naming the truth about yourself in the presence of unconditional mercy. Through the ministry of the priest, you hear the amazing words of freedom. I absolve you from your sins. In other words, in your naming of the truth about yourself, all the truths that you hid, were ashamed of, embarrassed of, in the naming of the truth about yourself, you have only been met by unconditional mercy. And as John Paul II taught us, mercy is the form that God's love takes in the presence of sinners. And mercy is always bestowed upon the one who says, Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Condemnation never follows humility. Humility is truth. And when one names the truth about themselves, one is already being ordered toward Trinitarian participation because God is truth. And when a humble person stands before God and says, Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. There is more joy in heaven than can be measured. Because this is what the operation of grace has been laboring to attain through the mystery of Christ incarnate. The reconciliation of sinners with the love of God. So when we celebrate the Sacrament of Reconciliation, we are literally entering our own deaths. We are literally entering purgatory before our deaths so that when our real deaths befall us, we will see only the shining face of God. And we will participate immediately in the happiness of God. Because all of our repentance and all of our purification has been the course of our Christian life. Those who have achieved that holiness that's necessary to enter the joy of heaven, they've achieved that here on earth in their time in their life. We've seen what they look like. They're Mother Teresa, they're Padre Pio, they're Blessed John Paul, and maybe someone's grandmother. 
or it may be the priest down the street. When we see those people, they continue here in order to help us achieve that same type of holiness and in their forgiveness of others. They have a, a reality of their sinfulness. Mother Teresa would say, I am a sinner. Blessed John Paul would say the same thing. They would go to reconciliation, if not every day, at least once a week. I mean, they really they set a template for us, don't they? Right. The saint among us is the is the the resurrected body of Christ in anticipation. They have already died so deeply to themselves and have renounced and continue to renounce any attraction to sin that they are a, a eschatological sign, a sign of the, the last days among us. And in being a sign of the last day among us, they carry hope to our hearts. And this, of course, is why we gather together as a church. We gather together as a church so that we can give witness and view the witness that is the hope of holiness. Otherwise, we would not make it and we would turn away. The contemplative studying of the lives of the saints and our own interaction with living saints still here in your own parish, this is the great gift that Jesus gives the body of Christ because they are the, uh, the purveyors of hope into our hearts. They are doing it. What are they doing? They are surrendering and abandoning in deepest trust all their desires to God. Where many of us surrender and abandon our desires to this passing age, to the American culture, to the market, to sinful pleasures. These saints who have gone before us in death or who are among us in the parish, these people are surrendering and abandoning themselves to Christ. And this is the birth of hope in our hearts because they, of course, are trying to tell us that the promises of Jesus can be trusted. If you surrender to him, you will know the pleasure of divine love. And that pleasure of divine love is exponentially greater and deeper than any of the pleasures that we attach ourselves to and surrender ourselves to outside of grace and virtue. So to some extent, the saints are the living dead. They are the ones who have passed over, except their bodies haven't caught up to it yet. They're the ones who are living in heaven even as their bodies still walk the earth. And it's the beauty of what they see in heaven that beguiles us and attracts us to them. For we want that heaven to begin here already like it has begun in them. And so the more we can encourage each other to read the lives of the saints, contemplatively behold the lives of the saints in prayer, and to use the saints among us in our parish as spiritual directors and guides, the more our own purification will be hastened.
Any final thoughts on purgatory, Deacon Keating? I think whenever the fear of death arises, what we need to do is embrace symbolically the Sacred Heart of Jesus as the safest place to pour out all of our fears. As Lamentation says, to pour out your heart like water. So whenever there's fear of death, pour out your heart like water into the Sacred Heart. And in so doing, you are already in purgatory. And in being in purgatory, you are already being readied for an eternal share in the happiness of God. Thank you, Deacon Keating. Thank you. You've been listening to Salvation Begins Now, Last Things First with Deacon James Keating. To hear and or to download this episode along with many others, go to discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of discerninghearts.com in cooperation with the Institute for Priestly Formation. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Join me next time for Salvation Begins Now, Last Things First with Deacon James Keating.